Good morning, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Finley Mayor Christina Mern recaps last week's U.S. Conference of Mayors winter meeting in D.C. with discussions on everything from social issues to COVID-19 and a post-pandemic economy. Also this morning, a cyber checkup for your new devices, the steps everyone needs to take to protect your digital ID from the dangers that are everywhere online. And Amazon is set to introduce next-level technology that goes beyond simple video calling to make virtual family gatherings more of an interactive experience. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, January 24th, 2022. What a weekend of NFL games. This past weekend, I uh, posted this on social media last night as I was watching the uh, Chiefs-Bills game go back and forth. You realize that Patrick Mahomes threw for over 200 yards just from the two-minute warning in regulation into overtime. (laughs) It was over 200 yards just in the last two minutes of regulation and overtime. It's just an amazing uh, cap on an amazing weekend. Uh, The other three games were all decided by a field goal. All four games were decided on the last play of the game. Three of them field goals as time expired. And then, of course, the uh, overtime game with the uh, Chiefs scoring that uh, touchdown to come back from. They were they were down. With 13 seconds to play, the Buffalo Bills has been looking around saying, what the heck just happened? What the heck just happened? We were ahead with 13 seconds to play in the game, and they lost. Um, so just a uh, just an incredible uh, weekend, and uh, my Bengals will take on the uh, Chiefs in the AFC Championship game for the opportunity to go to the Super Bowl, and it could. It could. Not that it's going to happen. But it could be another Bengals 49ers Super Bowl. There have been two already. And I think if both the Bengals and the 49ers get to the Super Bowl, um, that would be the third time those two teams will have met. And I think that's like tying a record. I think the Cowboys and the Steelers have met three times in the Super Bowl. And I think that's the uh, the most uh, ever between two teams in the Super Bowl. I'll have to look it up, but I, I seem to recall that at one point. So anyway, it was just a a crazy weekend. Maybe the uh, best. I mean, you'd be hard pressed to find a better weekend of playoff football in the NFL. I mean, it it was maybe the best weekend uh, in history. All four games were just uh, absolutely terrific. So here we go. uh, Getting things started on a uh, Monday morning. So if you're a little groggy this morning with everything that's going on uh, over the weekend, and of course Monday is always one of those days where it's, you know, you have to drag in a little bit after the long weekend. The average American aims for eight hours of sleep every night, but half of us never get there. The point being, if you're dragging a bit heading into a new week, you are not alone. A new survey of 2,000 adults examined how they try, how we try to improve our lifestyles, and it finds that three in four people say it all starts with focusing on their mental and physical health. As easy as that sounds, though, the survey also reveals the struggles may many have in maintaining a healthy daily routine. 
From turning to energy drinks to snacking away on sugary sweets, it is certainly not so simple for millions of Americans. Most respondents in this poll agree that making healthy choices the night before and in the morning positively impacts their performance throughout the day. So take this to heart as we begin a new day. Um, let's see here. 84% say uh, agree that making healthy choices the night before and in the morning will have a lasting impact throughout your day. Uh, three in four uh, try and eat or drink something for breakfast every morning. 79%. Exercising is another good way of setting yourself up for a good day if you can muster up the energy in the morning to exercise. Implementing a regular sleep schedule uh, and reading. Uh, says uh, reading helps you focus better throughout the day. So if you're looking for used to kind of get into the swing of things after the long weekend, some tips for you from others who have been there. A couple of uh, interesting stories here among the first things that you need to know as we get your week started. Um, if this weather has you a bit down in the dumps, to help yourself feel better, you'll want to use whatever skill you think you're best at. Now, let me explain this. This is a research out of the Ohio State University. They found that people in a sad mood improved more quickly when they used a mood-improving method that they were told was their strongest skill. Uh, participants improved more quickly then people asked to use a skill they were told was a relative weakness. The co-author of the study, Daniel Stunk, Strunk, says uh, results suggest that whether participants were good at the skill was not relevant. It was the belief that they were good at the skill that made it effective. So in other words, if you are, uh, I don't know, if you uh, are not a particularly good singer, but singing makes you happy, singing and dancing, then do that, and it'll help you get out of your funk. Uh, as opposed to, you may be a great baker, but if you don't think you are a great baker, then baking something as a form of relaxation is not going to do it for you. Uh, so anyway, just kind of uh, kind of interesting. You, if you need to break out of the blues, use whatever skill you think you are best at, not what you are necessarily actually best at. Kind of interesting. Uh, more research that I thought was uh, kind of interesting off the uh, newswire this morning. Among the first things you need to know, the most buzzworthy stories of the day. Valentine's Day right around the corner. If you have walked into any retail store, you know that. And psychologist Dana McNeil says, uh, well, yeah, this is the question, are you a hopeless romantic with uh, Valentine's Day uh, right around the uh, corner? Psychologist Dana McNeil describes a hopeless romantic as someone who is in love with being in love. They believe that love conquers all. You might be a hopeless romantic if you profess to be an eternal optimist have strong beliefs in destiny. If you are the type that wears rose-colored glasses even in the face of truly chronic issues. If you are easily willing to let hurtful words or actions go, let it go. 
And if you are the type that believes being in a relationship will improve your life, then you are a hopeless romantic. Psychologist Lauren Cook says that hopeless romantics are often coping with anxious attachment, which goes hand in hand with a fear of abandonment, and that hopeful romantics can see when a relationship is working and when it isn't. To go from being a hopeless romantic to a hopeful romantic, one is not particularly healthy and one is. Uh... Ms. Cook says you must cultivate self-love and commit to self-work. It could also be helpful to work with a mental care provider. So if you are a hopeless romantic, that is not a good thing. They say instead you should be a hopeful romantic. So something to keep in mind as we come up on uh, Valentine's Day. Uh, Speaking of romance, a new trend is popping up among those who have been divorced. Creating a divorce registry. (laughs) You have a wedding registry, so why not a divorce registry? While some divorcees were already using Amazon wish lists, a bunch of divorce-specific platforms have popped up recently to provide a more official service. The idea is if you're splitting up with someone, you're going to need to restock. If you've been living with someone and now all of a sudden you're living on your own, you're going to need all of those things (laughs) like a newly married couple will. In a need, uh, I don't know, new dishes and silverware and pots and pans, maybe? Who knows? Uh, one such platform, Divorcist, <laughs> is currently in the soft launch phase. Reportedly plans to release its registry feature in February. Fresh Starts Registry, launched back in October, allowed one, allows one to build a registry and has recommendations on uh, stuff that newly divorced people will need, uh, both in the practical and the legal sense, divorce lawyers, therapists, that kind of thing even. Uh, the co-founder, Eliza Cusson, says our mission is to make divorce and separation dignified. We're trying to elevate divorce, separation, and breakups to the same status as any other life event. Not a happy one, but one that deserves recognition. So you've got baby registries and wedding registries and now a divorce registry. Probably a long time coming. It's one of those things that I read that and I said, man, why didn't I think of that? There's money to be made there. There's. And uh, how about this? Very important stuff. This may be the most important story you will hear today. And I want to make sure that I pass this along so you know it right up front here. First thing this morning. A team of French physicists have announced that they have blown a bubble that lasted for 465 days before popping. The team at the University of Lille, whose findings were published in the journal Physical Review Fluids, which I read all the time, I don't know about you, is that their research into soap bubbles found that they tend to pop after just a few moments due to the gravity-induced drainage and or evaporation of the liquid inside the soap sphere. So their team studied typical fragile soap bubbles, uh, analyzed water-based gas marbles and gas marbles made with a solution of water and glycerol, a compound commonly used in various foods and medicines. And uh, they actually blew a bubble that doesn't pop, or it didn't, for 465 days. 
Now that's big news. That's... <laughs> okay, maybe it's not big news, but it's interesting nonetheless. Aren't you happy that you know that? See, this is why I'm here. Aren't you happy that you know that? There's some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories <laughs> to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, a good chance of some more snow showers today with a high of 30 because tonight a low of 11. The Finley Police Department says a driver was arrested after leading an officer on a short, low-speed pursuit. Police say an officer tried to pull over the 31-year-old at North Main Street and Howard Street for a minor traffic violation on Sunday morning, but the man proceeded westbound on Howard and then southbound on North Quarry, running stop signs. Police say the driver eventually stopped and was taken into custody. He was arrested for failure to comply and also issued a citation for driving under a child support suspension. And he also had an active warrant out of Richland County. Get more on our website. Sound of people shoveling their sidewalks as we received our first accumulating snow of the winter on Sunday. Looks like we're in store for a little more snow today. And then after that, cold and sunny conditions for the rest of the week. Get more on our website. Peloton, which broke ground last summer on a $400 million plant between Bowling Green and Toledo, is pushing back on reports about its exercise bikes. Company execs say information that it plans to temporarily stop production of the machines was incomplete and out of context. Shares plunged more than 20% after CNBC made that initial report. But the CEO told CNN that the company is considering options such as cutting jobs and resetting production. But a complete halt of the bike and treadmill lines is false. That's ONN's Angela Ann reporting. You can get more on our website. The Humane Society and SPCA of Hancock County says people are still donating generously in memory of Betty White, who was a lifelong advocate for animals. Betty White's legacy has definitely helped out the shelter a lot, and I think it's helped multiple shelters. Natalie Reffid with the Humane Society and SPCA of Hancock County says donations in Betty's name are now over $7,300. And Natalie says they've also received blankets, dog and cat toys, peanut butter, bleach, paper towels, and snacks for the pets. We have a link on our website where you can help out and also see what animals they have up for adoption. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. And now our cover story this morning, Finley Mayor Christina Mern is uh, back from last week's U.S. Conference of Mayors winter meeting in Washington, D.C., she joins us on the line this morning. Mayor Mern, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. First of all, uh, we heard uh, some of the, uh, the stories in the news reports about the uh, the winter meeting at the U.S. Conference of Mayors and discussions on everything from social issues to COVID-19, a post-pandemic economy, a lot of things being discussed. What were some of the key highlights for you? Thanks, Chris. I really appreciate you having me. It, I think some of the highlights for me were just talking about the infrastructure dollars and how we're going to be able to continue to invest those. And here's some of the unique ways other communities are, are putting those dollars to work. I also really enjoyed the conversations around workforce and education. Obviously, that's something that we talk about here locally and how we make sure that we are best supporting our students today, but also creating pathways to sustainable careers long-term. So great conversation around those topics and 
It was great to be back in person with everybody and being able to do so in a safe manner. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about it. And we've talked about it in the past, uh, the significance of having a seat at the table of the U.S. Conference of Mayors. Talk a little bit about what we get from that relationship. Yeah, well, first of all, you know, just getting to be able to network from um, my perspective as mayor, being able to talk to peers and hear what they're dealing with, um, understand kind of ideas that they have and really just, you know, there's a benefit for everybody to have networking opportunities. And then as mayor, it's really difficult to do. So having that is one, you know, beneficial. Two, there's also a lot of business connections that are made at the conference. And whether it be um, businesses that we already work with or vendors for specific things, um, but also talking to different groups that have connections with housing developers or um, individuals who, um, you know, banks that are looking to invest in communities or Mm -hmm. different grant opportunities is always a big one. Um, The U.S. Conference of Mayors really serves as a funnel for a lot of different organizations that say, hey, we want to help with this type of issue. How can we connect with communities that we may be able to help with that? So as we know, a couple of years ago, we received the Childhood Obesity um, Prevention Grant, $125,000 that we were able to put to use within our community for programming with our Keep Active, Keep Healthy program. Um, But there's a lot of other opportunities coming down the pike. And I even had the opportunity to sit down with uh, Vice President of Wells Fargo and he sat down and said, you know, what are the issues you're facing in Finley and what are things that we can be doing to better support communities like Finley and Finley itself? And so there's going to be a follow-up conversation from that to better understand what they may be able to be doing. And it could be something specific as a one-time hit grant, or it could be things in how do they structure their community investments or early loans or, or mortgages for lower-income individuals. Um, mayors are really close to a lot of those issues and every community handle has the same issues and has to deal with them in slightly different ways. So being able to figure out how we support those folks and how companies can support us and being able to have those conversations to provide them guidance is really beneficial in my opinion. Did you have the uh, chance to uh, speak with, uh, with lawmakers specifically uh, Ohio lawmakers about uh, some of the issues that uh, affect us, you know, issues being discussed at the national level that trickle down and impact uh, uh, our own neighborhoods? Um, so at this conference, we were not engaging with congressional members. Okay. Um, we did actually, we did have um, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, as well as Leader McCarthy spoke and President Biden spoke. Um, I was not there uh, on Friday when Leader McCarthy or President Biden spoke as I had a meeting back here in Finley that I had to get to. Um, however, we did have nine different secretary members, you know, cabinet secretaries that we were having dialogue with. Um, so being able to talk about the programs that HUD manages, um, I was sat as part of a roundtable with them, um, health and human services, you know, talking about COVID recovery, um, communication, what our communities continue to need, um, and then living with COVID, how we make sure that our kids are staying in school um, and providing our schools the support they need to, to be able to do that. Um, but I did not have any conversations with our specific congressional delegation. Um, but as you may have seen, I did speak with uh, Senator Brown last week and participated in a press conference with him 
on infrastructure and how some of those bridge dollars are going to be funneling to our community, mm-hmm. hopefully over the next couple of years. Um, but we are fortunate. We have strong relationships. Um, I have t- talked regularly with Congressman Latta and Senator Portman and Senator Brown, um, and we'll continue to do so. Uh, as we mentioned, some of the in the in the news coverage of the uh, U.S. Conference of Mayors uh, winter meeting, uh, obviously the uh, news headlines focus on uh, a lot of the the big picture uh, things that were discussed. Uh, the uh, the the big meetings, uh, things like discussions on things like COVID nineteen, post pandemic economy, and social issues as well. Obviously, the U.S. Conference of Mayors is a large organization with a lot of uh, individuals coming at all of these issues from a number of different angles. How do you reconcile uh, just a general statement from an organization such as this uh, to to be representative of of all uh, mayors across all cities, large and small, all across the country? Well, Chris, um, that was a very political way to say, hey, how do you uh, reconcile with being more conservative in a group that tends to be a little more liberal? Exactly. Um, <laughs> um, you know what? Um, the group overall, I would say, is um, I have never felt um, the group gets along very well. Mm-hmm. And the discussions that we have in private you know, when we are just talking to each other and having roundtable discussions, I would say is is very, um, there's a lot of consensus around it. We do not get into the larger, I would say, fringe opinions um, and, and political issues. Mm-hmm. Most of the time when I'm talking to mayors from across the country who, you know, are, are Democrats um, or even independents, um, we really agree on most things because most of the time when you're talking about at the local level, we're not dealing with um, quite the headlines that, that tend to be um, sensationalized a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, definitely the organization tends to be a little more liberal and sometimes their general statements are things that I don't necessarily agree with. But being at the table and having the conversations and now I'm on the advisory board for the organization Mm -hmm. allows me to say, Hey, you know, when you're wording it like that, I I don't agree with that. Mm -hmm. And how can we say it in a broader sense that does represent all of our mayors or, Hey, you can make that statement. But when you make that statement, I'm going to have to make this statement Mm -hmm. or it doesn't help us when we're having conversations with other political leaders. Yeah. Um, So, that has been really one of the reasons that I have gotten engaged um, in lots in, in a number of organizations because I think many times if you don't if you don't have your voice at the table you're definitely not going to be heard um, but overall um, I think the organizations behind the scenes um, get along really well and are really focused on just serving their communities every day yeah because uh, you know some people will read those headlines and think well why is uh, Finley uh, Finley's mayor involved in an organization <laughs> that is supporting yes. you know these particular uh, issues and interesting you bring up the the fact that you know when you have these one-on-one behind the scenes uh, conversations with other mayors uh, regardless of party regardless of political affiliation that there is a lot of consensus do you find that that is uh, more the case uh, with uh, uh, s- smaller cities, cities the size uh, of Finley, or does that carry forward through larger cities, uh, the mayors of larger cities as well? I would say that 
with really the majority of mayors on both sides, all sizes and all political affiliations. You know, mm. there are definitely a couple of um, communities that um, are doing things a bit differently than the majority of us and yeah. have a different approach. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, you know, I, I sit down and talk to mayors and we're really just people who want to serve our communities. And most of the time we're focused on creating safer communities, supporting our law enforcement, creating safe water and sewer services, and having healthy communities. And those are things that, um, you know, a lot of times I was talking to mayors, you know, there's this whole notion of defund the police. And, um, you know, that that conversation is few and far between. And I think a lot of times when you're talking to the majority of the mayors, they're saying, no, we need to fund our police. We need safer communities. We need to support our law enforcement. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the conversation, as it tends to do in politics, gets twisted when they say, hey, but, you know, some of the social services or some of the things that our officers are being called in on is not, they're not trained for that. So we need to have other sources like um, social services or psychologists that are going into some of these mental health crisis moments. Um, and that doesn't mean that, you know, yeah, the, the funding may be in a different line item outside of law enforcement, mm-hmm. but um, they still believe that, you know, in supporting their law enforcement and doing things. Um, yeah. So I think that all of these co- issues are very complex. And um, unfortunately, again, you know, not everybody is addressing it in the same way I would um, or that we are. But overall, these folks are really approaching how they serve our communities and want to serve their communities in very similar ways to to the rest of us. We will leave it there again. uh, Finley Mayor Christina Merton back from the uh, U.S. Conference of Mayors winter meeting last week in Washington, D.C. Mayor Merton, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Yep, I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Well, maybe you got a new device for Christmas or maybe as part of your fresh start resolution for the new year. This is a good time to get to know all of the features on your gadgets with a particular emphasis on security and protecting your digital identity. Avast Chief Information Security Officer Jaya Balu joins us this morning. And Jaya, first off, what do we mean when we refer to one's digital identity? It's a familiar term, but do people really understand what it actually is? So, you know, your digital identity, like we, it's kind of the stuff that identifies who you are online. And you got to think of it like a username or maybe an email address or the combination of that with a password. But it's also little bits about you. So like attributes uh, about you, about how you use a particular service that you leave behind. It's residual while you use services on the Internet. So why is it important to protect some of these things and and how do you go about protecting your digital identity? Yeah, so we've got to protect them against all different types of attacks, whether that's ransomware or spyware or phishing. You know, we really need to get better control and better capability to protect that personal information when we go online. Um, we got to start like really with making sure that we've got all of our updates installed. And I know that sounds boring, but that's really what we have to do. Even when we get brand new devices at Christmas or wherever, we got to make sure that we don't just, you know, unwrap and use them, but that we've installed all of the available updates for the hardware, the operating system, any applications you're going to use. And then we need to take a look at installing some security and privacy protection software. Like we said, devices, obviously a very popular holiday gift. Uh, So there are a lot of new gadgets floating around out there. What are some of the mistakes that folks make when setting up those new gadgets? 
Yeah, so, you know, like very often the choice of buying those new gadgets is where it already starts kind of going wrong because people choose their newest device based on different considerations than security. So really starting out with a security mindset and thinking about how you protect everything that you're going to use, um, that is, you know, of course, really important to make sure you're not getting attacked and the information that you're putting on that device doesn't get compromised. And one of the things we do at Avast is we make sure that you can actually enjoy that new technology uh, underneath the hood of the software that we provide, which is called Avast One, where you have all of these funky things like from an antivirus to a VPN and other security, privacy, and performance tools for all of the different devices you may have bought. Now, you touched on this just a moment ago. I want to go back and uh, kind of underscore this. Even if we don't have a new gadget, most devices that are recent enough will periodically get system updates that may include new features. What do we need to do or what do we need to know when our device is throwing these new things at us? Well, I mean, features are usually not a bad thing. Um, but the thing that I'm worried about as a chief information security officer is that people don't usually proactively go and hunt down if their devices in their homes or, you know, uh, all the devices they're using, even with their work environment, is necessarily up to date and secure. So where possible, I really would like it if we could just take the lazy route and just you know, do auto updates. We don't even do that at the moment. Yeah. Um, and you got to think about it this way. Like from the time, and I'm going to go back to new devices for a second, because from the time that a manufacturer has made that device and then shipped it and then it winds up in your hands, quite some time has passed. Mm-hmm. So the version that's running on the device when you hook it up to the internet is not the newest version that's out there and may have fixed not just, you know, a whole bunch of bugs and with those feature set, but it may be actually like, fixing some really severe security vulnerabilities. So it's just being cautious about yeah. it and having a, a certain degree of healthy paranoia here will really help out. <laughs> I like that. A certain degree of paranoia is a good thing. No, what I was, uh, what I was kind of getting, <laughs> getting to, and, and uh, I, I guess I have this from personal experience, one of my devices recently updated and uh, you know, it gives you, gives you this uh, little flash screen that says, here's what's new. And it talked about new uh, updated security features and so on. And I wonder, are, are those things generally turned on by default or do we have to go kind of dig through the settings to make sure that, you know, everything is, is turned on and actively protecting us? Yeah, unfortunately, this is, you know, depending on the device, mind you, it is an active thing. You do kind of have to turn stuff on. And that's what I meant about the auto updates. Yeah. Don't assume that there's any updates happening in the background if you didn't configure it that way. So you need to mean to do it in order for it to work uh, for you. Um, and then, you know, again, if you don't do it automatically, you've got to do it manually. Um, and this means that people can't just click away, hey, I want to update, and they click it away and they say, I'll do it later. Yeah. You know, you really need to kind of be proactive with this stuff if you want to prevent um, the attack. Yeah, again, a healthy dose of paranoia. <laughs> Good thing in here. So we mentioned, <laughs> so we talk about new devices. We mentioned uh, gadgets that may not necessarily be new. And just as a rule of thumb, if our devices are getting to the point where they are no longer getting regular system and security updates, then it is probably time to upgrade. Absolutely. But, you know, I have to say, I wish we could all upgrade, but not everybody has the financial means to do so. So make sure you keep everything up to date that you can upgrade when it's possible. And then for the rest, make sure you have secure business 
practices that are that you think about it, even if it's a personal device, I shouldn't say business practice, but secure practices with things like good password management, when available, using that, you know, multi-factor authentication or two-factor authentication from the platforms which you engage with, whether that's a bank or Facebook, it doesn't matter. Make sure you use all the tools they give you for good security and uh, try to look at how you can also browse securely. You know, make sure you have that VPN turned on and that AV turned on. Um, and try to think about how your ecosystem that you work in, whether that's home or in the office, has an ecosystem where everything else is secure too. You also bring up a good point, again, worth underscoring that with so many people doing, you know, working from home much more often these days, it becomes even that much more important uh, to do this uh, as well. Any other tips to protect our sort of our digital footprint as we head into 2022, things that we should resolve to do in the new year? Yeah, like this is good digital habits are like good hygiene that we have that we practice personally, you know, so this is the same thing. It's no different. And I have to tell you that as a as a mom myself, I want to make sure that not just I do it, but I also have it available for my children. So I, I enable like family safety controls and I make sure that, you know, the company's product that I have, which is a vast one, that it's also there for the kids because everybody deserves security and privacy, not just the folks that can afford it. So uh, Avast One's free. Uh, make sure you have it installed on the kids' machines. Uh, make sure you have it for older relatives, because usually these are the most vulnerable in our population with whom we interact. And, you know, we see it even in, in the enterprise. Small, medium enterprises have more problems, have more ransomware attacks than large enterprises just because they don't have the same level of paid-for protection. So being smart oh. about this, you know, we try to protect as many people because it helps us find attacks quicker. So the more people we uh, have on our tooling, the quicker we are to detect new threats and the faster we can make everyone safer. All great advice. Jaya Balu, again, uh, Chief Information Security Officer for Avast. Uh, quickly, where do we folks find you online? Check out avast.com. Okay. Um, it gives you a lot of resources and a lot of you know FAQs that explain what's going on in, in regular human language, and it's not technobabble, so it's very approachable. Check out avast.com. Jaya, thanks very much for the time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me here. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Boy, you think the uh, roads are crazy for us here with all of the uh, snow and ice that we got uh, over the weekend, and it looks like more is on the way today. How about this? On Thursday, the Minnesota Department of Transportation said a truck crashed in the eastbound lanes of Interstate 94 in Albertville and spilled its load of frozen potatoes all over the road where they stuck to the highway. They had a whole interstate full of frozen potatoes. Uh, they actually had to bring in special equipment to the scene because of the struck, uh, stuck frozen potatoes. The road was closed to all traffic except emergency vehicles for quite some time. Fortunately, no injuries were reported and cleanup was uh, completed around 945 in the morning. But can you imagine trying to explain to your boss why you're late for work? Honestly, boss, there were frozen potatoes all over the interstate. <laughs> Suddenly dealing with the snow doesn't seem like such a bad deal, does it? Wow. <clears throat> Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, 
A woman named, this has to be awkward. Woman named Ashley Keegan recently took to social media uh, to explain, to say she was trying to figure out why she was not getting any responses to the various online job applications she had submitted. It seems like everybody's hiring. She said, I want to work. Why aren't they calling me back? Well, it turns out that that for 17, uh, I don't know about 17 months, but for several months, she said she had been applying and never hearing anything back from her potential employers, only to realize 60 applications later that instead of attaching her resume to her emails, she was accidentally attaching her period tracker. <laughs> uh, that has got to be embarrassing. <clears throat> Awkward to say the least. She was not, not uploading her resume at all. She was uploading an entirely different uh, document. It doesn't say... Uh, how she uh, learned of her mistake. Maybe an employer called her and said, do you realize what you just sent me? <laughs> Oops. Uh, let's see here. As a story out of Ireland, by the way. A New Jersey couple is working on returning $2,000 worth of items to Walmart after their toddler accidentally made a very large online purchase. <laughs> the Kumar family... Uh, tells local news reporters their 22-month-old was playing on an electronic device when he accidentally started buying things from Walmart. <laughs> Total came up to over two grand. The parents say they will now be removing their credit card information from their phones. <laughs> Probably a good idea. Uh, let's see. Speaking of Walmart, a Texas woman has been arrested after allegedly trying to purchase a child at the Walmart checkout line. Now, before you get any ideas, no, Walmart is not selling children. According to the child's mother, 49-year-old Rebecca Taylor made some comments about the youngest of her two children while they were standing in the checkout line. She eventually asked to buy the child for $250,000. When the mother politely declined, Ms. Taylor became more aggressive and offered $500,000 while threatening to take the baby. The mother managed to get away before reporting the incident to police. Ms. Taylor was arrested and charged with attempted sale or purchase of a child, which is a felony in Texas. (laughs) Wow. I mean, I've had people, you know, say, oh, that's a... It's a cute kid in the uh, checkout line and all of that. But try to try and buy the child in the checkout line. That's man. <clears throat> Although there were times when my kids were younger. If you'd offered me a half a million dollars. <laughs> I might have had to think seriously about that. There were, there were times. <clears throat> and uh, finally, in the broken news this morning. One scam artist is turning out to be no match for a grandmother on Long Island. This is a uh, news report from WNBC Television in New York. 73-year-old Jean, last name is not given, Jean got the call on Thursday from a scam artist claiming her uh, grandson was in a car crash and was in jail. You've heard about these uh, phone call scams? Oh, Grandma, I need money to get bailed out of jail. Yeah, it's all a scam. Well, Jean knew it was a scam, but she decided to play along and agreed to deliver the money. 
But she then called police, who were ready when the scammer showed up to claim the money. <laughs> when the scammer arrived, Jean handed him an envelope filled with paper towels, and Nassau County police swooped in and took the guy, the very su- surprised scam artist, into custody. After the entire situation, Jean uh, wrapped it all up, uh, saying, uh, Bored Grandma won, bad guy nothing. <laughs> like it there you go that is today's broken news report you go grandma uh this update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service more or less of hancock county veteran services we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming Road work, detours, traffic backups, and delays, it can get a little frustrating and confusing, but we can help keep you ahead of the game. This is WFIN News Director Matt Demchek. Just check out the Traffic Center at WFIN.com and you'll know where the trouble spots are in Findlay and Hancock County. Download Waze, use it whenever you're driving, and join our drive team to help inform others of traffic issues. The WFIN Traffic Center, powered by Waze, and available at WFIN.com. Now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. This is kind of interesting. A new survey asked 2,000 Americans at what point they ask for help when starting something new and how they rely on their support system. Only one quarter of Americans, it turns out, are willing to ask for help at any point before tackling something new. 73% do not ask for help before they absolutely need it (laughs) when starting something new half of respondents wait until it starts to become too overwhelming eight percent ask only when it's too late (laughs) and they can't continue at all 13 percent say they never ask for help at all they rather just give up and move on uh only 27 percent of americans ask for guidance before They uh, start something new. The survey also found that 53% feel held back from achieving certain goals in their lives because they try to go it alone. Well, the reality is for many families that uh, we're we're spread out. I mean, this is a, a nation where more and more... Uh, Families are separated from each other, living in separate states, separate parts of the country, and so on and so forth. And certainly, over the past couple of years, the need to stay connected has been more important than ever. We're talking about using technology to help keep people connected, uh, either because of the pandemic and restrictions or just because of distance and joining us this morning with some tips on connecting with family along with keeping kids active at the same time uh, is lifestyle expert bethany braun silva bethany talk about why it is so important to especially keep kids connected to family especially and even friends who may be distant for whatever reason Yeah, I mean, you said it. Over the last few years, especially, a lot of our kids have missed out on those important connections, which really are, you know, so essential to their development, to just, you know, how they socialize. I mean, when I think of my own 
moments or memories is when I'm watching my mother read bedtime stories to my children or watching my boys, you know, play puzzles with cousins that they don't get to see a lot. I mean, certainly it brings a lot of joy to families and it's not something that's easily replicated. I mean, we certainly have video chats, right? But, you know, I know for my own kids, they get bored right away and then they're running away and I have to chase after them with the phone and it's kind (laughs) of a disaster. So I think the key to keep you know, keeping everybody, you know, connected, even when distance might be an issue is to keep everyone visible and engaged. And that's exactly what this device does. And I'm going to talk to you about. Yes. So you have something called Amazon Glow. This is new and explain how this can help make those virtual visits feel more like being together in person. Yeah, so that's actually exactly what it does. The Amazon Glow is a new device that is so much more than a normal video call. You know, it's not just passive screen time. You know, kids are active participants. You know, it was designed to be collaborative and interactive. So during the video calls on the Amazon Glow, kids can read books with relatives, they can play games, and they can even create art. And it's all done on this virtual projected space on this mat that comes with the device. And the best part is all, you know, the remote relatives needs is a tablet, and then they can download the free Glow app and get started right away. So kids can pick from, you know, thousands of books, you know, dozens of games. And then, of course, one of my favorite features, like I mentioned, is that creating art together. You know, my boys can sit there and sort of do a finger painting. And then my mother, even though she's miles and miles away, can also use her finger and paint. And it shows up on, you know, in real time on that mat. So even my kids who have been using technology forever are blown away by this. So, and and how complicated is this? I mean, again, we're talking about, for example, connecting kids and grandparents. The kids who are technology natives, uh, it seems, are blown away by this. But is it overwhelming for uh, those who may be less comfortable with this kind of technology? I think that really is the beauty of this device is that it is so intuitive and easy to use. So if, you know, older generations, if grandma and grandpa, if they have a tablet, all they need to do is download the app, you know, sign up, and then they're ready to go. And what I suggest is letting the kids take the lead. The best part is that it's like it it does have that video call capability. So you are looking at each other, you're communicating with each other. So let the kids take the lead and grandma and grandpa can just follow along. The kids will pick the book or the game. And then, you know, grandma can, you know, grandpa and grandma can even teach them chess or checkers. So that's also a great way to kind of let them take the lead with something that they already know how to do. And I think you'll be, they'll be so surprised by how easy it is to use. If you can use a tablet, you can definitely use the Amazon Glow device because really you just need your finger and be able to point and and things like that. So it really is such a great device. And then just to underscore what you were uh, talking about earlier, maybe you can expand on this a, a, a bit. You know, you have the video call component that everybody is already familiar with, but then adding to that and what really uh, you say sets this apart are the interactive components, the interactive activities, the sensory experiences to help keep uh, kids especially engaged. Yeah, you know, sensory play is such an important part of kids you know, of their development, even from birth. This is how kids take in the world by sight, sound, touch, taste, 
all of that. And the Amazon Glow does such a great job of replicating those experiences. Like I said, kids are active participants. They're not just staring at a screen. They're, you know, pointing, they're turning pages, they're playing with tangrams. They're really, you know, not just staring, but participating. And, you know, a lot of parents are looking for these sensory activities for their kids, especially when we've been, you know, so much, you know, stuck at home for a little while. So this does a great job of providing those sensory activities. And of course, as an added bonus, you can go ahead and do it with a loved one. Uh, Just amazing uh, what the technology is capable of. Lifestyle expert Bethany Braun-Silva with us uh, this morning. Where do we get more information? You can head over to AmazonGlow.com. Bethany, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That, of course, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, it appears that in many parts of the country, the Omicron variant surge of COVID-19 has already peaked. Is it still something we need to worry about or have we reached a turning point in the pandemic? We'll speak with Hancock Public Health Commissioner Kareem Baroudi. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.